Hi, and welcome to episode 169 of No Crying in Baseball, the At Least They Have the Browns episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Well, you have the Browns. That's no, no, that's no, 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 no. You'll hear it More all than- later. It's, it's all of Cleveland. They need it. Okay. That's coming later. All right. All right. <laughs> Something to look forward to. I always appreciate having stuff to look forward to, especially this week. Damn. Damn. Damn, damn. Oh my God. So, you know, if you heard our last episode, we partially <laughs> joked about hunkering in the bunker for the week when all the maniacs came to town. And little did we know that that wasn't so far from what we actually had to do. Yeah, it's absolutely fucking crazy. A friend of mine who lives really close to downtown Silver Spring said that, you know how a lot of the folks were the folks, the the insurrectionists, the terrorists were staying in hotels in Silver Spring because a lot of the stuff in D.C. was either not available or closed down. They spray painted cars on her street that oh. had Black Lives Matter signs in their yard. This oh, is like this is like a couple miles from us, right? I don't think they'd fucking dare to come into Tacoma Park because, you know, we we have our pink hats at the ready, but you know <laughs> there's it's it's Scary. all over the fucking place. So yeah, I mean a couple people picked up on our bunker thing last week and said, Hey guys, watch what you say. And I'm like We weren't willing it to be true. We were I just know. anticipating it and we weren't wrong. We like the symptoms the symptoms. The Simpsons can predict the future. Oh my God. So um, I was at book club yesterday and a lot of, we all have kids about the same age. And one of my friend's daughters was flying back to Oregon to go back to school and reported back from the plane that there was a plane full of proud boys going home. Oh shit. And this is like, you know, like a, a freshman woman. Oh and my God. She said they were fairly awful. She was fine. She didn't feel like unsafe, but they were just terrible humans to be with on a plane. So um, snakes on a plane, I guess. I don't know. Right. Can you imagine being trapped like that? I know. So if, if any Proud Boys were previous listeners, well, goodbye. <laughs> like, we won't miss good you. Good I doubt it. I doubt it. Right. I doubt it. I did not exactly our demographic, huh? I don't think so. We no. don't know. We don't know. Right, I mean, true. we... We welcome everyone, and and if you join us and you th- you're thinking about um, joining the insurrectionists or the domestic terrorism, um, see you later. Or maybe you should stay here and listen and maybe learn something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, for instance, on today's show, love is in the air. The Mets are the team that makes the moves of the week this past week. The Nats, the Nationals, come to terms with Kyle Schwarber, and I'm going to have to too. We've got <laughs> boyfriends of the from the Royals and the Phillies. We've got a little bit of bait and switch and some playoff news in international baseball. Can we start with Love is in the Air? Love yes, is in starting. The air. Nice. Dun, nice. Dun, 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 dun. I'd give okay, you a sorry. solo on that for sure. No, go, go. <laughs> um, I would like to start with a super congratulations out there to Pookie Betts. So Pookie was supposed to be my once and forever Red Sox boyfriend and still until he ditched the Red Sox and Went to sunnier places, but he's still a wonderful person. And he just got engaged to Brianna Hammonds after 15 years of dating. So Mr. Pottymouth and I got married after 10 years of dating, and we caught a lot of shit, shit for that. After 15 years, and they have a child. They have an almost two-year-old, and they're getting married now. So my best wishes to the bets and the better, probably. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. I like it very much. I like it very much. 
So the Mets, man, we've been talking about their new owner and how he's going to be willing to spend money and, and make a splash. And he's really active on social media and kind of engaging fans and doing a lot of things, which are making the Mets weirdly attractive to me. And I feel funny about that. And they made the move of the week in which they signed Mr. Smile, Francisco Lindor, and Cookie Carrasco from Mike Leland team for Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, and two prospects, Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. So the Mets got the A plus on this. The the Cleveland team may have like it's a C right now, but as you know, they're building for the future, so we will see. So here we go with this. Um, just for the record, under my Browns hoodie, which I am wearing proudly right now, I have my I stand for Cookie T-shirt because uh-huh. I love me some Cookie Carrasco. I. I feel bad for my hometown that they've had this horrible loss. I Mets, my God, they're talk, already talking about signing Lindor to a Mookie Betts level type contract. Wow. So, you know, cause he becomes a free agent next year. So they're going to want to lock him the heck down. Cleveland saves about $47 million. They're clearly not competing this year, which is kind of horrific at some level because they've got the Cy Young winner. They've got, you know, they had, it's like it's like shutting the window. It's like you're taking out like that last little piece that could really get you there unless they do something with that 47 million. But how do you replace Francisco Lindor? I don't know. I don't know. Chris Antonetti, who's the president of baseball operations for Cleveland, says he was actually in tears talking to Lindor and Carrasco, who are actually good friends, by the way. The Sports Illustrated article I read about it referred to it as a cold, heartless trade. Wow. There's a lot. This this really brought up a lot of stories and actually kind of connected it to the Cubs about teams dumping faces of the franchise, hometown hero favorites in order to save cash now to to rebuild. And as we all know, it kind of sucks to watch the rebuilding because the people you're there to root for aren't there. Yeah, it's so painful. I was seriously worried about you when I saw the Lindor and Cookie thing because those two, like what a package. It's it that's heart-wrenching. Yeah, yeah y'all should know that the Potty Mouth did reach out to me immediately to make sure I was okay. And I appreciate that. One of the pieces that I read about this, honest to God, finished with the line, Well, at least they have the Browns. That's exciting. And I thought, okay, but this was, you know, I read this Sunday morning before the playoff game that the Browns won. Yay. And so I was like, I really want to say this, but I don't want it to kick me in the butt. But at least I can say that for today. At least they have the Browns. My people have the Browns. That sounds good. I just want to give one more, a, a little shout out to Ollie. I think he tweeted this fantastic evaluation of the, the Cubs and and the Cleveland team, like you said, sort of undoing themselves, part of the undoing of 2016. Like everything's being trashed from 2016, <laughs> presidential election, World Series teams. It's just, yep. it had to happen this year to like give us a new, fresh it's like a big reset. A it's like the big reset right. button. Oh, hey, I actually had a baseball tie-in while I was watching the Browns game. Because if, if those of you who did watch it, the, it was a blowout in the first inning. The Browns were winning 28 to nothing. And wow. the the commentators are getting a little bit, oh, yeah, like talking like it's over already. And I sat there and actually anybody who was born in Cleveland, Ohio, knows better. They know it can turn on a dime. And I thought, this is a freaking CPBL game. <laughs> I don't care how big the lead is, but it's not done until that clock ticks down to fricking zero. 
I wasn't happy until I was like, wow, this is weird. This is cool. But, you know, everybody I knew on social media was like, oh, my God, very tense. Like, stop saying happy things. We're going to curse this. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm watching the CPBL version of this football playoff. That's beautiful. All right. So speaking of the Cubs, you know, as you know, they they, uh, they DFA'd freaking Kyle Schwarber back in December. Here's my thing. Okay. Sort of like the official NCIB stances. He wore a cop hat during the, the, the racial injustice protests. You know, even if he meant well, he couldn't read the freaking room. So there's that. But me personally, have you heard I'm a Cleveland girl? You might have gotten that feeling from the past few minutes. I have a flat out sports grudge against Kyle Schwarber from that 2016 World Series. I will never embrace him because he freaking beat my team in the freaking 2016 World Series. I am not ever going to give up that grudge. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that maybe I should take a page out of all of those folks that pledge money for you know, somebody who comes to their team who has bad politics or mm-hmm. is a homophobe or has or, or an abuser or something terrible about them, yet they are scoring points for your team. And how do you make that be okay? So I am open to suggestions for what that is, but I think I'm going to have to invest something in this relationship in order for me to be, you know, to accept Kyle freaking Schwarber on my team. Yeah, I think we have to be careful because he knows how to hit home runs in Nats Park. That's been well, he does. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely does. And I think he, you know, his bat is going to be good for the team. Clearly, they they signed him for bats over defense because his defense is kind of crap. His bat, when it's good, it's very very good, but it's inconsistent. At least he knows what uh, what's important because he did say that Juan Soto is the best hitter in the league. So that's okay. But my whole question is, you know what? Michael Brantley is available. I love Michael Brantley. He was on the right side of that 2016 right. <laughs> World Series. Why couldn't we have signed him? But okay. Okay. So I'm coming to terms. If you have ideas for how to help me get over it, not convince me that he's a good guy. I don't care. It's a sports grudge. You all know what that means. That's not going to stop. <laughs> I just need help sort of m- managing, managing being able to root for him on my team. That's fair. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Tommy Lasorda died. R.I.P. Yeah, so way back in the beginning of time, episode 11, that was a long dang time ago. Wow. We told you the story of Glenn Burke, who came out after he was no longer a professional ball player, and he talked about his his history of being a closeted gay man, and one of the teams that he played for was the Dodgers. He was good friends with Tommy Lasorda's son, who was gay, and Tommy Lasorda denied that about his son till... His, that this this young man died from AIDS, which Tommy Lasorda would not admit. Not unlike a lot of parents in that era, but not okay. So you know, I he meant a lot to baseball. Tommy Lasorda did. He was a potty mouth, so we could appreciate that. He was, as a lot of things that I read said, he was a Dodger longer than Vin Scully. So there's that. But man, I don't know that I can forgive. This is not a baseball grudge. This is a personal. Absolutely. There's a big ass asterisk on his name because it's it's unconscionable. I can't I can't imagine. And we will link. There's a really great Deadspin article that came out in 2013 about the whole situation and the relationship. And it goes into great detail 
over uh, Tommy Lasorda's son's life and and death. And it's something everybody should read before anything else, I would say. We will link. We will link. Hey, you know, Tommy Lasorda was never going to be a, a baseball <laughs> manager boyfriend. But we've got some really very good, very good baseball boyfriends this week. I'm very excited to talk about these guys. It is that time where we talk about our baseball boyfriends, the guys that we each pick one per team per year because there's something special, quirky, whatever, something cool about them that makes us want to hang out and have a beer with them. Those who drink, that is, see my last week's uh, escapades. But this week I have a new theme. I have been miserable for the past few days because I pulled a, a oblique muscle, which does sound like an athletic thing, but you know, Isn't I don't that what know. Manny Ramirez did? Oh, man, we will get to Manny Ramirez later. <laughs> he might have pulled an oblique muscle. That's what he says. So I've been cranky because I can't exercise and, you know, I, I've just been in all weekend and all sorts of other crap happening around me. So my theme for this week is other guys who had injuries, but they're bouncing back and they have good attitudes. So I can learn from them is what I'm nice. thinking. But they, they had the injury and they came out of it. And damn it, look at their, their pro ball players. And uh, they both had dreadlocks, at least at some point. So we're going to start off with the Royals. And I chose... Franchi Cordero, center field. And, I, you know, I don't think I can do this. I haven't drank enough beer. Our friends Angela and Liddy from Hell's Bells said that I had to say his name in a Pepe Le Pew voice. Franchi Franch. But I can't do that. Like, I can just picture Liddy or I can, you know, imagine how Liddy sounds saying it. But Franchi Franch, something like that. It's not terrible. It's, yeah, it's pretty I terrible. I mean, this would be like if, if Pepe Le Pew grew up in Boston. <laughs> that would be a scene. Oh my God. I want my kid to make an animated series on that. All right. But back to Franchi Cordero. I had to pick him because I've been watching him play like a couple weeks ago. He was on the Leones del Escogido in the Dominican League and sort of fun to watch. Definitely fun to watch. So I'm always looking for like that. There's a sign that I should pick this guy. And that was my sign that I should pick this guy. I didn't even realize at the time that he was actually MVP of Lidom in 2017. He was signed by the Padres in 2011. And spent most of his time there in the minors. And the minor league fans loved him because he was personable. He would hang out with people, do that autograph thing. And I know Angela has some connections with him. He only played 95 total games actually at the majors level throughout his career from 17 to 20. He debuted actually at Nats Park in uh, May of 2017. Had a few games that year in 18 started on the DL. So here's where we go into this like injury spiral that I just feel terrible for him, but I have, I have hope he's going to bounce out of it. So 2013, 2018 started on the DL with an abductor strain. And then his season ended in July with a bone spur in his elbow. He actually made it for opening day of 2019 but got injured. So he quickly had an elbow strain. He had a quad injury. He was out for a lot of 2019. And that's when he was traded to the Royals by the Padres. And, and people were mighty sad. And he was sad. And he wrote a really beautiful 
tweet, Instagram post, whatever it was, letter to the fans saying that, you know, I've had nine years with you. You'll always be my family. Lots of tears were shed. So he makes it over to the Royals and he breaks his handmate. So here's actually no. my source of hope. Superhero. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. He had handmate surgery. So y'all have to go back to past episodes where Patty's theory of handmate superhero connection. It's important because guys who come out of that do well. It's never wrong. It, it has not been. And actually his friend, who I'll get to in a minute, his friend Fran Reyes, who is an ex-boyfriend of mine from the Cleveland team, went through the same thing and did much better after the hand, handmate surgery. So I, I have hope. I have hope that next year is going to be a breakout year for Franchi. He has limited play, but flashes of brilliance, I like to say. He has speed and power. That is what he is known for. He's got a huge hard hit percentage and great sprint speed, not so much with the plate discipline. So he has a little bit of learning to do about patience. Like I said before, he's buddies with Fran Mill. They're both from the DR, and they met when they both got um, drafted by the Padres. And so they they actually met before that, when they were in the complex in the Dominican Republic, trying out together, signed together. They actually had a little mini home run derby between the two of them in Aswa in the DR, which is where my adopt a minor league guy lives. So I kind of feel this sweet connection there. And then they were both traded away from the Padres at the same time in 19 with Fran Mill, of course, going to Cleveland and my guy Franchi going to Kansas City, where we're talking about right now. Another family relation, Socrates, best name in baseball, Socrates Brito, also played with him. They're cousins. They played together a for three days, actually, on the <laughs> Padres. And they they both play so similar in the same position that it wasn't going to last. So Socrates, actually, I think he was traded first, but recently he signed on to a minor league deal with the Yankees. And unfortunately for Franchi, this, this injury thing is kind of a lifelong uh, problem. When he was a kid, he had low platelets, and he was sick a lot. And he was very close to his sister because his parents were both working full time. His dad actually in the capital and his mom nearby in Aswa. But his mom said to him that you cannot sign until you finish high school. She made him finish high school before playing baseball. So yay for mom. And uh, and yeah, the last thing is just the adorable hair. That That's my theme. Great hair. Wait, did you just say adorable in a sports context? Oh, adorable. And I have some more beer. So, yes. Yeah, we haven't talked about that in a while. For If you're a no. new listener, there is a drinking game. Um, Potty Mouth insists on using the word adorable in sports context, which I think is completely out of bounds. So totally much in the way that I need help suggesting how I can accept Kyle freaking Schwarber into my Nats lineup. This is how we embrace the word adorable. When you hear one of us say adorable on the podcast, please drink. Cheers. Cheers. Potty Mouth gave me a gift this week. Potty Mouth gave me a gift of a boyfriend on the Kansas <laughs> City Royals because... You deserve them. That's why. Because World Series champion Michael A. Tater, as we call him, Michael A. Taylor, was picked up by the Royals. We loved him. We love him. Current. But he was such a fan favorite with the Nationals and... And so as soon as he went to the Royals, like, hmm, we may both do have a little smackdown about it, but thank you. But thank you. So Michael A. Taylor is 29, plays center field. He was perennially the fourth or fifth outfielder for the Nats. He 
almost he, the only time he's, he ever started where was when somebody was hurt. So he never really got. I don't know. It wasn't necessarily unfair, but as far as his talents, I mean, if you don't play consistently, right. you don't have the opportunity to shine. So I'm really hoping that with the Royals, they need him. He will be a regular everyday guy. I'm hoping that will help him shine. That is so awesome. Can I just say, I can't believe he's 29. He still looks like he's 18, doesn't he? He's had a baby face since we first met him. Oh, and by adorable. met him, I mean just saw him because yeah. I've not met him. I don't know if you have. But <laughs> um, so we love we love our, our Mikey. We love him even more because part of that whole World Series championship thing is that whole White House visit. He was one of the few players who chose not to go to the White House. And um, that's even more meaningful to me today than it was two, you know, <laughs> two years ago. Oh, my God. Two years ago now. Well, yeah, it's a year ago now. Oh, my God. So the A and Michael A, I never knew what that was for. I never paid attention to it. It was one of those things where you have, a, you have sort of a, a common sort of name. You use your middle initial. A is for Anthony, which is his dad's name. And so he's really kept the A there to honor his dad. His dad worked logistics for the U.S. Army for 22 years. He's also got four older sisters. Can you imagine being like the baby wow. boy? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I bet they just love him. Oh, my God. So he was drafted out of high school. Um, he grew up in Fort Lauderdale. He was drafted in the sixth round in 2009 as a shortstop. So, yeah. So baby face and also baby at the time. Shortstop. Right? Wow. Sh- Stuff. I mean, he's super fast and he's got a just a you know laser a cannon for an arm. In 2010, they switched him to the outfield because he had an injury to his hand. And so I guess the close play of playing the infield was not suited for the, the hand injury, but his speed and like the, the, the longer, the longer catch, the longer throw, those things, the, the layout, all that stuff he could do and do very well. In fact, my one of my favorite bobbleheads of all time was from a Game of Thrones night at Nats Park. They did a Michael A. Taylor defending the wall. And <laughs> there's a freaking dragon as part of this bobblehead swooping down on Michael A. Taylor. So it's pretty darn good. But he's that good. He's that good. Pulling down, you know, stealing home runs, you know, covering a lot of ground. He's also a base stealer. All right, so back to, back to the beginning of time. In 2014, he played in the Futures game, and that was the year that he got called up to AAA Syracuse, back when Syracuse was the Nats AAA location. He only played four games in AAA before he got the call-up, but the rumors about him getting the call-up started before that, and his dad called him five times in one day, the day before he got the call-up, because he was so <laughs> excited oh, hearing these rumors. His dad was Oh, oh, yes. Cheers to that. Yeah, I'm going to need tech support to bring me a beer, but I don't have freaking tech support at my house anymore. Okay. Anyway, so when he got the call up, it was going to be against the Atlanta team at an away game. He didn't actually end up playing, but took a plane down, flew down to Atlanta, got to Turner Field at 11 a.m. for an 8 p.m. game. He was too excited to do anything else. He came right from the airport. He hung out on that field. Coaches and whoever don't even show up till like three o'clock. He was there all day because he was so excited. He was just sort of taking the whole thing in. He didn't actually have his debut until a few days later against the Mets on August 13th, 2014, in which he had his first hit, which was a single, and also had his first home run in his first game. Uh, He first came to my attention the next year in May of 2015. And I don't know if you remember this. The Nationals were playing the Diamondbacks and Bryce Harper was ejected, which happened. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So Michael A. Taylor went in to play for Harper 
And his first at bat was in the ninth inning. And it was the first time he came up to bat ever with the bases loaded. And he hit a grand slam. Wow. That's so cool. That was definitely a please pay attention to me. I am here. So I actually have a theme. You'll hear this more. There's I have a grand slam theme going with my boyfriends. He also hit two Little League Grand Slams, which are inside the park Grand Slams. The first one in 2015 was actually scored an error. He didn't actually get the home run, but he did clear the bases. He, it, you know, he, it was a home run. The bases were loaded. He got everybody in. Two years to the day later in 2017, he hit a Little League Grand Slam that was actually scored a Grand Slam. Wow, that's amazing. Right. I mean, to hit one is a lot, but to hit two is kind of kind of amazing for sure. Um, 2017 was a really pivotal year for Mikey. Um, his dad passed away during spring training. And as I mentioned before, he grew up in Fort Lauderdale. So home home and family are there. And that's, that's less than an hour really away from the spring training complex for the Nationals. So he spent a lot of time there. Um, this is when Dusty Baker was managing and he said, you take all the time you need. And so Mikey would come back for a couple days to play because he really needed to. And then, you know, so he was home immediately when it happened. He came back to play for a few days, went home for the funeral, came back. And I think he was sort of balancing the, I need this release with, I need this family time. And the nationals were very understanding about it. And so that was, that was kind of an important time, especially, you know, cause that, that he was keeping that a and using that a in his name way before this. So that's how special his dad was to him and remains and remains that way. Back to the Grand Slams, he hit the Nationals' very first postseason Grand Slam in 2017 in Game 4 of the NLDS versus the Cubs. There have been other Grand Slams since, which have been very important that, that you know, we, we are very happy with. But Mike, Mikey hit the very first postseason one for the Nationals. He also hit a home run in the, his first World Series at-bat in Game 2 in the 2019 series, his first at-bat. Here's the thing about Mikey. He's very he's streaky you know he's really good for a while he's really good clutch he's very good in the postseason but then he has these slumps man right so i'm hoping that that is because of not regular playing time and i'm hoping now the royals signed him which happened in november he will get regular playing time and that will smooth out on the personal side he's very active in the players alliance and we are all for that and immediately important and back to love is in the air he and his fiancee, Brianna Norwood, are getting married next week. Oh, hey. And we're running wow. out of time, but there is there are still a few items available on the Crate and Barrel registry if anybody's interested. All the barware is gone, so we're out. Oh, okay. We only buy barware gonna... for baseball players. But there you go. Next week, the big wedding between Brianna Norwood and Michael A. Taylor. And that's two Briannas for fiancés. The baseball Brianna connection yeah. is mighty this week. It is, it is strong. The force is strong with those Briannas. We are moving over to the National League with the Phillies, and I am picking Andrew McCutcheon, who it took us both a while to really <laughs> ascertain that we had not picked him before. I it can't believe like we did, right? We totally did, and he's an absolute boy, be, baseball boyfriend material. Like, how could we not have picked him? He's 34 years old, left field, but we hadn't. He's just great. He's great. I'm excited to see him this year. So he's from Fort Meade, Florida, and he had a, a very rough child. Not 
rough in the in the conflict sense, but just didn't have a lot of means. Poor tri- childhood. His parents were struggling. He uh, actually was born when his parents were in high school. And this is kind of what got me to. I was like, ouch, old. His parents were in high school in 1986. Oh, when he was born, I graduated high school in 1986. So, you know, if me and Mr. Potty Mouth had gotten busy a little earlier, maybe we'd have a superstar. But la 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 la. la, la, la. <laughs> but no, but no, the, yeah, just for the record, po- Mr. Potty Mouth and I both graduated high school together in 1986. But Andrew McCutcheon's parents, they were athletes. So he had it in his genes, us not so much. His mom was a big volleyball star. His dad, was a three-sport athlete with football, baseball, basketball. And his dad actually had a football scholarship um, that that he he studied. And he turned down, he, you know, he had that NFL aspiration, which he turned down because he decided to settle down and raise the family. He ended up becoming a minister and getting married instead of the NFL. And beyond that, worked three jobs. So they, yeah, and the, and mom was working. So they did everything to scrape things together because from the get go, Andrew was obviously athletic, talented, did three sports himself, football, track and baseball, all through youth. And the community came together to support him at that advanced level when he had to do tournaments as a kid. I mean, he was, he was 12 years old and he was on a travel team with 15 and 16 year olds for baseball. And that kind of stuff with travel baseball is not cheap. So they had the church, they had the community pulled together for him. In high school, he was trying to keep those three sports up. And then sophomore year, he tore his ACL during football season. So he was actually out for baseball season, which was a rough thing. But dad was really there for him and and also in a way that he could tell that baseball was the thing. And so dad had him focus on baseball senior year. Unfortunately, senior year, the football team went to the state championship. So that was his first taste of extreme disappointment because he could have been on that football team in the state championship. But he did have a deal with going to University of Florida after high school. But then he became a first-round draft pick. So he was drafted by the Pirates in 2005, and he was there for a long time. And he was that pirate staple. And when he first went to them, he had those great dreadlocks, and and he loves the city of Pittsburgh. It's still his city. He calls it his home. He In 2018 is when it sort of started you know, breaking up. He first went to the Giants and then to the Yankees. And the, the, that was hard, I remember, for me to see happen, just knowing how the Yankees make you cut your hair and shave. And he has spoken out about it since then. And he says that the Yankees policies take away from your individualism. I guess that's the whole thing. You have the pinstripes. You don't have the name. You don't have the hair. You're supposed to sort of fit in. And uh, I think he agrees with me after his short time on the Yankees. One second. Did, wasn't there a video of his son watching him like cut his hair or something? Cut his dreadlocks off in 2015. But actually what you're talking about is probably closer because his son must have been watching his, cut his hair even shorter when he was going for the Yankees. That's what wow. I thought. I think so. This is why I think that's why it was so hard for us not to believe you know, why, why we couldn't believe we didn't pick him as a boyfriend because we talk about him all the time. And it's not just his hair, but sometimes it's his hair. 
Yeah, he's but such a good guy. Though. Yeah. You know, damn, he's such a good guy. So he 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 gets to the Phillies for three years, three million dollars. His first at bat in the leadoff position is a home run. So that and that was opening day. But then here comes my theme with the injuries. He tore his ACL in June 2019, and he was out for the entire season. But he has the attitude that I need to adopt. He doesn't get depressed. He just doesn't get down on it. He said he he tried so hard to feel bad for myself, but he didn't. He appreciated having the time with his family. He was, you know, out a bunch in 2019 and 20. Well, 20 was a fucked up season for everybody. So I don't think you can judge by that. But his his average took a little bit of a dip around 250. In the past, though, he's been absolutely stellar. He was MVP of the National League in 2013, five-time All-Star from 11 to 15, four-time Silver Slugger from 12 to 15, one-year Golden Glove, Home Run Derby, also 2012. But what I love about him, what's so much the baseball boyfriend thing is he said that his best achievement, better than MVP, was his Roberto Clemente Award and getting that as a pirate, right, in oh, 2015. Yeah. And it's because he is that guy. He is that community guy. He was involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, with Children's Hospital. And what I love about it is everything he does, he does personally. It's not like just giving money. He is involved Personally, he got 200 Halloween costumes, for example, donated to Children's Hospital. He went there for like an art show thing with the kids or art studio thing where they were doing art together. And when he did cut his dreadlocks off, which I was sad about in 2015, it was they were sold. Like <laughs> so, so this like freaks freaks the fuck out of me. Like somewhere really? somebody in a jar has Andrew McCutcheon's dreadlocks. Like that's him on a puppet or a doll or something. I don't know. Proceeds went to the Pirates Charities, though. And recently, I bonded with him on us both getting out the vote in Pennsylvania. So before this 2020 election, I went to Pennsylvania a couple of days to knock on doors. He, I think, probably got more Pennsylvanians to vote than I did. He put out a fantastic <laughs> video. And what I love about it, too, is there, there are all these really particulars about the mail-in vote. It has to be in blue or black ink. You have to put it in one envelope and then the other envelope. And he made it so clear. He's he's doing what people need to do to get their votes counted. And he got some, there were some other cool people in on that video with him. Uh, the skater, Adam Rippon. Did I say that right? Rippon. Adam Rippon? I think Rippon. Rippon. Uh, some Steelers dude, Michael Keaton, bunch of people. The Philly fanatic was on it. Some Steelers dude. <laughs> I don't <laughs> That's know. good because you know who the Browns beat yesterday. The Steelers. All yeah. Right. So we should, we should be a little bit, you know. Little, little disrespectful to the Steelers. The That's way we are. fine. Yeah, Kutch actually tweeted a very sad tweet about the Steelers, but he'll—I'm sure he will get over it. He has a gorgeous family. He got engaged on the Ellen Show, which I think is hysterical in 2013. And this is why you talked about his his first son, Steel, obviously named for being being in this in the Pittsburgh area, and his second is Armani X. So, Ooh, styly. Very styly. Yeah. He has a wonderful wife. And and her summary, I thought of his attitude, was really beautiful. She said he can literally go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts and the next day have two home runs. So he's got that mindset that he can just be positive and keep going. He had a great 
video that was a parody of the whole situation with Manfred deciding to play or not to play with COVID at the beginning of the year. And it was him theoretically talking to his kid on the potty. And he said, if you go potty, you'll get some juice. And so the kid goes potty. And then he's like, oh, no water. I know I said juice, but you're getting some water. And then, and the whole analogy was beautiful. So definitely check out that video with his wife. He wrote the speech that was delivered by Morgan Freeman's voice when the when the season opened finally in 2020. It was that opening day speech dealing with all of the Black Lives Matter stuff that was boiling up at the time. And the key line was the we are one. And it was that day that in the Nazi Yankees game, they all had that black like banner that they were all hanging on to. So he did that. I'm wondering what's going to happen right now. The, another trade this week that we didn't talk about with Hot Stove is that the Giants pitcher Sam Coonrod has just been traded to the Phillies, where Kutch is. And Coonrod was the one, I believe, the only San Francisco Giant who did not kneel. And he said it was because he was a Christian, which does not seem like a good reason. He doesn't know what that means. Yeah, so he and the very Christian, and and Andrew McCutcheon is very religious. He had a preacher father, and he has a lot of faith. That'll be interesting to see the definition of what it means. One one last thing about his do-gooding, good good doing, uh, do-goodingness. I don't know. There's a word there, isn't there? (laughs) You just keep throwing those words around. We'll make them work no matter what order they go in. People understand. Doing good. I don't know how Philly people feel about this, but he is super still attached to Pittsburgh. And so in 2019, so he's a Philly at this point, he had this Project Pittsburgh where it was Kutch Charity Week and it was come volunteer with Kutch. So he was in person doing volunteer work. He was building stuff with Habitat for Humanity one day. He was serving meals another day. He was collecting clothes another day. And and Macy's had uh, this deal where they were collecting dress clothes for job interviews for high school kids in an inner city district. And he did a free baseball clinic for them as well. So nice. Andrew McCutcheon, we've known this all along. I feel like he's always been a baseball boyfriend, but we're making it official right now. Absolutely. I'm I'm so happy. I'm so happy that you found this hole in our history and filled it right. <laughs> with love and joy and welcome aboard Andrew McCutcheon. And just to piggyback on what you said there at the end about him showing up, that was kind of a theme we talked about last week a little bit too with um, with Dominic Smith and Joe Adele, who their charity work was, you know, money's great and money's important, but showing up and getting your face with the face of people in your community to say, hey, you know, if you see it, you can be it. All of that stuff is so important. And it's it's modeling. It's modeling what you can, how you could do good in the world. So hooray. Hooray. I'm so happy. I, I, I love me some Kutch. I picked basically Jason Worth. <laughs> Does he have the hair? He's Please got everything. He He's hair. got everything. Oh so my, God. my new Phillies boyfriend I picked out in August. Alec Bohm rhymes with foam. He's 24. He's a third baseman. He's from Omaha, Nebraska. He is freaking the second coming of Jason Worth. He wow, is I've got six five. He's got the flow. Sometimes he's got the beard. He's got the swing. He's he yeah. I looked at him and before, I swear the commentators were right there saying, "You know who he reminds me of?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Jason Worth." <laughs> 
And Jason Worth, as you know, was a Philly before he was a national. My other favorite bobblehead is actually my um, my Jason Worth gnome, my garden gnome. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is also another theme today. Anyway, Alec Bohm took a while to grow into his 6'5", very athletic frame. So when he was in high school, he didn't get, there was no interest in him from scouts. There, He didn't get drafted out of high school because he was very gawky. He was very, he was kind of big. He didn't have it like, he was playing very well, but he just kind of didn't have, he didn't look the part. He wasn't quite there yet, right? So he um, got one scholarship offer and that was to Wichita State. And he went and his um, very first at bat was a home run. So nice. he, he's also, he announces his presence when he arrives on the scene. <laughs> he announces his pre- presence. He weighed 240 pounds on this six five frame at the time. He had the school record for three three Grand Slams, the most Grand Slams by one player in a in a season. There's my wow. Grand Slam theme going. So after his first season at Wichita State, his coach thought about sending him to the Cape Cod League. He said, mm, he's not ready for that yet. So we're going to send him to the Wilmington Sharks, right? We're going to do this like this Carolina League situation for summer ball. And the urban legend there is he walked into the ballpark right into to batting practice and hit nine home runs in a row and then introduced himself to his teammates and his coaches. So I was like, hi, Whoa. this is my bat and also me. He lost 20 pounds that summer. So then he kind of morphed into the Jason Worth. Yeah, I'm tall. I'm also strong and lean, right? So he kind of you know converted into now I'm athlete. Now I'm all athlete. His college coach said, his the strength and conditioning coach said that he was the only guy on the team who said, no, I need a five-day-a-week weight room program, not this two- or three-day-a-week thing. When he would go to away games, he would take pictures of the hotel gym, send them to his coach and say, this is what I've got. What can I do on it? Nice. And his coach wow. would send him, what, what's your weight program while you're away? So – Coaches are starting to pay attention to him now at Wichita State because he's coming to his own, right? He's, he's, everything's coordinated, right? The body type is now working for him. He's strong. He's got the bat. He's playing a good third base. Things are happening for him. He doesn't like to talk about himself. And when the scouts come, they watch, but they also want to meet you because if they're going to, you know, sign you for bazillions of dollars, they want to make sure that your character's there, that you are a decent human, that you can complete a sentence, right? They want to know. <laughs> That you that you're going to fit in, right? Because you need to be able to fit in with the other guys as well, right? So that's also kind of important. And this was going to be a problem for Alec Bum because he just wanted to like, just put it all out in the field, and he was spending like five minutes per coach. He would like politely answer their questions and like get the hell out of Dodge. Was not interested. Mm-hmm. The Phillies really wanted him, so they actually called in some favors. the The Wichita State coach actually coached one of the Philly scouts years before on a different team. And they worked that and they said, we need to talk to him. We want to draft him third overall, like not third round, but the third person that gets picked in the draft. Wow. And that's a lot of money and that's a lot of commitment and we need to be sure. So apparently when Alec Bo met this scout, he said, if my coach trusts you, I trust you. And they had a long conversation. And of course, he was, in fact, the third pick overall on the 2018 draft, right behind my guy, Joey Bart, as a matter of fact, who was the number two pick that season. So his debut was this past August, like a lot of the other guys we talked about, skipped right over AAA, 
right? He, this is, that would have been the season where he played AAA, but there was no AAA. There was the alternate training site, right? So mm-hmm. that had to function as AAA. So they called him up. And once again, it was one of those debuts where your family can't be there because freaking COVID. So one of the networks actually got his parents and his girlfriend on Zoom and they watched the game together. So they captured video of them seeing his first hit, Aww. which was a line drive double down the third baseline. And wow. just watching like, those reaction shots are just so much fun. And they were so excited. And the video ends with his mom after doing all the woohoo and yelling, saying, go baby, go. Which just made oh, me so happy. I just oh love it so much. Okay, so you've got this like super tall guy playing third base, which doesn't happen a lot. I mean, like Chris Bryant is kind of an anomaly, right? You, the, the tall, rangy guys are first base. So they say, oh, yeah, you play third, but you're going to end up at first. He really yeah. wants to stay at third, and he's pretty good at it. But he's got to you know, kind of sharpen all of that just a little bit more. He did get the 2019 Paul Owens Award for the best player in the Phil's minor leagues back when there were minor leagues. He did play in the Futures game. <laughs> My favorite story about him is a, a boyfriend and boyfriend story, as it turns out. His first home run was at Truist Park, where the Atlanta team plays. He hit a ball 446 feet into the center field fountain. It had to be retrieved by a guy with a pole skimmer. So when they... <laughs> presented him with the ball from his very first home run. They gave it to him in a cup of water. It was soggy. <laughs> it That's was great. soggy. But another video that's so great is because he's playing third base, right? Freddie Freeman appears at third base. My, 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 my boy boyfriend, my previous boyfriend, Freddie Freeman, ends up on third base because, you know, Freddie Freeman hits a lot, ends up on third base a lot, starts chatting up this rookie and says, nice swing. That was a great first home oh, run. And had a conversation with him about it. And, that's, and, and so like Alec Bum's like, I just had an all-star compliment yeah. me on this. I mean, how what a nice guy and how meaningful. How meaningful is this, right? So in fact, Alec Bohm did finish second in voting for the National League um, Rookie of the Year. He led all rookies with a 333 average. Wow. He led uh, National League rookies with 23 runs batted in. He led the National League in hits, rookie hits. So he's going places. If he can maintain this, this is this is very good. This is very exciting. I don't think he qualifies next year as a rookie. I think he played a few too many games. So he's not going to be in the running. So, you know, uh, my, my Ryan Mountcastle you know, rookie of the year, of course, <laughs> different leagues. It'll be fine. Um, he yeah. has a family foundation. He and his parents started a foundation is still in its baby steps, but he's got a variety of causes that are important to him. His parents said that he's, even as a kid, he was always volunteering in the community, which is a good start. He cares a lot about homelessness, also about medical research. So I don't know how that flows, but also, Again, like all these other guys, high school and collegiate sports, making sure these opportunities get to the people who need these opportunities. So I'm really excited about Jason Worth. Oh, I mean, Alec Bohm. <laughs> uh, next week, we've got the Mariners and the Giants. Speaking of Joey Bart. Wow. All right. I am open to suggestions. If there's anybody out there who wants to suggest some Mariners or Giants candidates, yeah, I definitely am wide open. We have some um, international ball. There's stuff happening. There's stuff happening right now as we're speaking. There's one thing that should have been happening right now that isn't, and that is the Puerto Rican League, La Liga Profesional Baseball de Roberto Clemente, which should be playing the Indios de Mayagüez against the Ateneses of Manatee right now. 
to see who's going to face the Crios de Caguas in the final. But there's still no news. So what happened was the Indios had been COVID positive. The Ateniesis, apparently not. I don't know why it's taking this long to clear. This was the same status that we gave you last week. I thought that they were going to play tonight, but we will see. The one thing that is different tonight that was not happened last week is the team that we were hoping was Roberto Alomar's team got eliminated. So out of the four teams that were playing, goodbye RA12. It was their first year. They're full of rookies. Congratulations for making it the season. My message now, though, is, as always, watch international baseball because these guys are going to be appearing, like the the stars are going to be in MLB. You're going to want to say, I saw them when. So the Puerto Rican League came out with their awards for the season. The MVP, Janishwe Fargas, which that's a fascinating first name. He was with the Criollos, but he's also with the Mets. So maybe he'll be coming up with the Mets this year. The pitcher of the year, Luis Medina, has been actually talked about a lot as the Yankees' hot prospect. He had an 054 ERA and uh, 0.78 whip. 64% of his outs were strikeouts. And he's going to be with the Yankees. He got pitcher of the year for the Roberta Clemente League. And the rookie of the year, Jose Miranda, is with the Twins. He was with the Criollos. All right. Hopping, island hopping. That's what I do. I island hopping. Oh, hopping over awesome? to lead them. Oh, God. I want to go see these games, man. So the Dominican Republic playoffs, the finals, are starting right now. They started a half an hour ago, and I'm dying to see what's happening between the Gigantes de Cibao and the Aguilas Cibenas. There's a few games left when you hear this still, because it's going on all week. It's a seven-game series. If you want to see Jonathan VR, who was my O's boyfriend a couple of years ago, but I didn't even realize that he's with Toronto. He went from oh, O's yeah. to Miami to Toronto. He's playing. He's made some great plays. And Johan Camargo, I mean, when we get to the Atlanta team, this might be my guy. He is adorable, and he has been doing really well also. So those are some highlights for your Aguilas. If you want to go with the Gigantes, Jose Siri. Actually, I'm going to put my claws in right now also for, for Houston. He's He had some great runs the other night. And uh, Ronald Guzman is my past boyfriend from Texas. He's there with the Gigantes. So check out that action. The action that you don't really have to check out because it's not happening <laughs> is with the fucking Sydney Blue Sox. And I can't even tell you how pissed off I am with this team and that I fell for their shit because they did two things that pissed me off today. Number one is they they tweeted that they're, they applied for an exemption for COVID restrictions so that they could go play in Melbourne against the Melbourne Acers. Wait, what? Because it doesn't affect them because they're special? What the hell? There has been a huge outbreak on Sydney beaches, apparently. And therefore, people from Sydney should not be traveling to Melbourne. But the Sydney Blue Sox are tired of not playing. So they they applied for an exemption. I really hope that the Victorian state government denies it, but and that might have happened by now. We will see. But also they have decided to release Manny Ramirez. Now, <laughs> I will remember a couple of weeks ago. He was I ever there ten- to be released. I really don't oh think so. I think it was all like him and Rachel on a green screen. They're in 
Australia. He's having a great time in Australia, and all his Instagram is is preaching, lots of preaching, not much baseball. So they said that they have decided to release him because of the ongoing medical issue, which, of course, he referred to as an oblique strain, which is not a reason to release somebody. And the uncertainty of the seasons read above the fucking exemption thing, really. And they said that, and they came right out of it and said that their level of investment meant it was never a PR stunt. You mean all those Manny ads and the Manny t-shirts and the Manny merch means it wasn't a PR stunt? And they're not commenting further. You're never going to see that 10 bucks. No, 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 it's gone. I think that month has expired and I am done. And so is your patience. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done with them. Yeah. So that's kind of it. huh? Wow. Wow. Hey, so we've got this week coming up and, you know, living close as we do the nation's capital, anything could happen. I don't think we need to be in the bunker anymore, but who knows? But I will say the one DC related thing that I'm watching this week is Bill Belichick because- Wait, what? Oh, you you didn't hear this? That our president, well, somebody's president, not really our president, is, you know, wants to honor him with a medal of honor. And oh my the ceremony God. would be Thursday. And pretty much oh all of the God. free world is like, Bill, you cannot accept this medal. You cannot go to the White House. You need to turn this down. He hasn't yet. So that's supposed to be Thursday. So um, let's see, Bill. And, you know, this is thematic because, you know, in the 90s, he did coach the Cleveland Browns. So I can talk about him, too. But, yeah, that's that may be happening this week. And I'm just pretty pissed that the golfers accepted their medals this past week. So um, people read the fucking room. Oh my God. Real I don't hair. know. Like, what kind of penance do I have to pay if Bill Belichick does this? Do I have to burn all my Patriots shirts? Like that is some, I mean, I'm not super tied to football. I do like it when the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, but fuck that. Absolutely. Damn it. Uh, so happy thing to do this week, people. Throw all your money at Maybelle Blair. She, as you know, is one of the women who played baseball professionally in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And she is having a fundraiser for her 94th birthday, I which is her. a week from today, I believe. And it's going to go towards opening the International Women's Baseball Center. So throw money at Maybelle Blair. And she can catch it, too, because she's still got it. <laughs> Oh, my God, does she have it? Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, Maybell. That's fantastic. All right, my friends, when you're hunkering in the bunker, feel free to listen to some past episodes. Tell your friends about us. If you think they'd like to hear us talk about some baseball, find us on social media. Hang out with us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. Wow. Stay the heck inside, like for real. For real. Stay the heck inside. Duck and cover. Wear your masks. Wash your hands. Fight the man. Get him out of that house. And say goodnight, potty mouth. Goodnight, potty mouth. All right. I'm ready. You ready? Sure. What the hell? Why not? <laughs>